Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi guys, How welcome to Rom Crime. What's up? Woo! That's right. I'm very excited today because I have what I believe to be the most insane story to tell oh, you. I can't wait. Um, as I was reading it, I was like, "This is this this feels like a movie I maybe saw in Lifetime like a million years ago, back when I watched Lifetime movies because I thought they were <laughs> hilarious." Um, <laughs> But it's uh, I picked it because I know that you kind of have an affinity for a certain like genre within true crime being true. You, know, you like cults yeah, are interesting. Too. Yeah. And um, this one is not a cult, but it's about stalkers, mm. which I know is something that you right. are in, interested in. Like, you know, you want to be a stalker. No. <laughs> but it's like fascinating to you. It is. I mean, we had even <laughs> talked about doing an entire like uh, season of stalkers. But so right, I'm excited. Just, I mean, it's upsetting and terrifying, but yes. And my gosh, the victims of stalking, like it's, that's a nightmare I truly cannot comprehend yeah. just to have your whole life, you know, constantly yeah. blown up by somebody that you're just like, why won't you just leave me alone? Like, that's not so hard. Just leave me yeah. alone to stop. I wanted to give you a couple of like facts um, about female stalkers because, as we know, right. most vi- most victims of stalking are female females, meaning that most stalkers are male. Right. But somewhere around twelve to thirteen percent of like known stalkers are female, and typically, but not always, a female stalker is Caucasian, heterosexual, single, between the ages of eighteen and fifty-eight years old, without children. And they're often educated and employed. Interesting. Also, yeah, right? So, like, like uh, basically Karens. Oh, damn. Um, uh, a great majority of the victims of female stalkers are someone that they knew prior to the stalking beginning. However, 
one in five, one out of every five victims can be someone unknown, like a celebrity gotcha. or something like that. That makes but sense. But they usually, they usually stalk people they know or family members or something like that. Uh-huh. So we've all heard um, stories, horror stories of stalking. But today I'm going to tell you a story about somebody using the terrifying aspect of being stalked to cover up a murder. Ooh. Ooh, are you intrigued? Yes, I am <laughs> intrigued. Yes. <laughs> All right. In 2012, a fellow named Dave Krupa moved to Omaha, Nebraska for a job managing an auto repair shop. Having recently separated from his long-term girlfriend and mother of his two kids, Amy, he decided that it was time that he weighed back into the dating pool. Yeah. But being in a new city where he didn't know a whole lot of people, he didn't have like a network to get set up with people. So he decided to give internet dating a try, which is, you know, very common and not something I almost went dun dun. <laughs> internet <laughs> dating is really, really normal. But anyway, dun dun. <laughs> the, uh, the first woman that Dave like hits it off with over the internet and decides to have a date with is a woman named Shanna Elizabeth um, Galyar, I believe is how you say her last name. And she goes by Liz. So I will refer to Shanna Elizabeth Galyar as Liz from here on out. And the two hit it off right away and begin dating. But Dave right out the gate said, listen, I just got out of a really long relationship um, I am not looking for like a serious relationship. I'm just looking to like have fun, meet new people and just keep everything super casual. I'd like you to know that I plan on dating other people. Like I'm not looking for exclusive stuff. And she's like, okay, yeah, no big deal. And so the two kind of casually see each other and it's been about six months. And then six months after Dave starts casually dating Liz, he meets a woman named uh, Kari Farver when she brings her Ford Explorer into his auto shop for repairs. And there were immediate sparks between Kari and Dave. So before she even left that afternoon when she brought her car in, he asked her out on a date, and she said yes. And their first date went so well, if you know what I mean, that he invited her back to his place after date numero uno, after dinner. And as things started to turn, you know, sexy, uh, Kari actually kind of stopped for a second and said to Dave or told Dave, I just want you to know that I'm not looking for a serious relationship. I'm really into my career. I have a son. She's a single mom. So I just want fun, casual, you know, obviously like we have great chemistry. And Dave was like, jackpot, because that's what I'm looking for. So after they uh, concluded their sexy times, as (laughs) Kari was leaving Dave's apartment um, she walked past Liz, who was in the hallway, you know, of an apartment building in the hallways, because she had left some stuff at Dave's and had just decided to come over unannounced to grab it. So the women kind of are like, oh, hello, hello, yeah. in the hallway. Um, and, you know, everyone seemed totally cool. So Dave continued to date both women, but he was pretty smitten with Kari. Like, they just he just really liked her. So after they'd only been seeing each other for two weeks, um, Kari was given like a huge project at work to head up and she was super excited. And Dave offered to let Kari stay with him at his apartment for the duration of the project because he literally lived around the corner from her office and she lived an almost hour away and her commute was an hour drive. And so since she was going to have like late nights and early mornings, he was like, you can stay here while the 
the project is ongoing, you know, so that you can be close to work. Um, and so she was like, okay, cool. Yeah, thank you. That Score. makes my commute much shorter. So then on November 13th of 2012, sorry, one sec, turn my sounds on my phone off. I just heard it like, dur, dur, dur. <laughs> so on, no- on November 13th of 2012, Dave left for work, kissed uh, Kari goodbye and told her he'd see her later that evening. And a few hours into his workday at the auto repair shop, Dave got a really bizarre text from Kari saying that she wanted to move in with him permanently, that she thought that they should take their relationship to the next level. And this to Dave made no sense because he and Kari had discussed more than once how neither of them wanted a serious relationship, that this living situation was just temporary for the work thing. So he replied in a text that he was not interested in having a serious relationship let alone a living girlfriend. And Kari replied almost immediately with a profanity-laced text message telling him that she hated him, that she never wanted to see him again, and, you know, just like lots of cuss words. And Dave was incredibly confused and also like, what the fuck? Like, Why is this woman pulling a 180 on me like this? And when he gets home from work that evening, Kari is gone. So after two days of radio silence... From Kari, Dave's phone starts blowing up with angry texts from Kari telling him that she hates him, that he was a terrible person, you know, all this like mean, cruel stuff. Granted, guys, they'd been dating for two weeks. So he's like, oh, my God, he's annoyed. He's confused. But he's also feeling like maybe he's dodged a bullet here. Like, I think maybe it's best that we don't see each other anymore. But it turns out that Dave isn't the only person getting weird text messages from Kari. Nancy Rainey is Kari's mom. And she had also received strange messages, one of which said that Kari had taken a new job in Kansas and had moved. And this made no sense to Nancy because, according to everything she knew, her daughter, who worked as a computer programmer in Omaha, considered her job there like her dream job. And she also had a 15-year-old son who was like a thriving high school student and very settled and that she wouldn't uproot him. Of course. So Nancy tried to call Kari, but Kari refused to answer her calls. And then when Kari was a no-show on her brother's wedding day, Nancy filed a missing persons report with the police saying her daughter was missing. She tells police that Carrie, oh, sorry, Kari, I'm thinking it's Kari because it's C-A-R-I but it could be Carrie, but I'm going to stick with Kari. That Kari was diagnosed with bipolar disorder several years back after giving birth to her son, but that she was on medication. And then the minute she brings this up, police are like, oh, yeah, we know this tale. This happens all the time. You know, people go off their medication. They start acting erratically. They don't show up to things they should show up to. They send weird messages. And she just, as much as she kept saying, like, I I don't think that's what's going on here. um, She really can't get police to in her opinion, take her concerns seriously. Police insist that they take all missing persons, you know, reports seriously, but she she suggests otherwise. Meanwhile, Dave is continuing to receive hundreds and hundreds of harassing texts and emails from Kari telling him that she's going to make him suffer and that they belong together. But most of the messages that she was sending him actually focused on Liz. You remember Liz? That was the yeah. other woman that Dave was dating and that ran into uh, Kari in the hallway. So he, most of the messages are actually about Liz. And then Liz, uh, who's still dating Dave, uh, also starts receiving harassing texts and emails. And she 
even comes home one day, pulls into her garage and finds whore from Dave spray painted on the, the wall inside her garage. What? So she reports she reports that to the police. And as the weeks go by, Kari continued missing important family events, including her own birthday, her son's 15th birthday, Thanksgiving, and then she failed to show up to her father's funeral. Kari's mother, Nancy, is convinced that something terrible Absolutely. has happened to her daughter. Yeah, because you don't just miss your dad's funeral. Exactly. Or did she not um, contact the son at all? Her son? You know, that... No. No. She's dead, people. Something's wrong. Right? Something is wrong. So uh, the strange texts from Kari to her mother had also turned from just weird and kind of vague to vicious, telling her she was a terrible mother and she hated her. And um, Nancy also noticed that these messages were full of like spelling and grammatical errors, which Nancy thought seemed odd because her daughter was kind of a stickler for like punctuation and spelling and all of that. So she was like, this don't sound like my daughter's text messages. Um, Dave, meanwhile, Vanya, wasn't just getting texts and emails anymore. He was being physically stalked. One night, he received a text from Kari that read, I see you. You're sitting in your chair with your feet propped up wearing a blue shirt. (gasps) He looked down at his blue T-shirt as he was uh, lounging in his Lazy Boy and everything that Kari said was true. His feet were propped up. He was wearing a blue shirt. Ew. So, yeah. So now he knows that he's also being watched, followed, monitored, not just being harassed over email and text. So in January of 2013, so two months after the stalking had begun, Dave spots Kari's Ford Explorer in a parking lot near his apartment. And of course, he knows her car well because that's how they met, you know. Right. He fixed her car. So he's like, I know that car. Calls police, takes a photo of the license plate to like so they can run it and prove that it is her car. And um, when police search the vehicle, they are able to find only a single fingerprint in the entire car. So if you guys know how cars work, that's really weird. Like people touch cars inside, outside, all over the car. But there is only a single fingerprint found on a mint container in the entirety of the vehicle. And the fingerprint does not belong to Kari. But it also doesn't belong to anyone in the FBI's National Fingerprint Database. So they have no idea who this fingerprint belongs to. So Nancy hadn't seen or spoken to her daughter in five months when a glimmer of hope arrived. A man called her to tell her he'd seen Kari at a homeless shelter and that Kari wanted her mom to come and pick her up. So Nancy raced to the shelter. She informed police who then met her at the shelter And when they all got there, they learned that Kari had never been there. Weird. Nancy was absolutely devastated, but now she was positive that somebody was fucking with her. Somebody was playing games with her. And Kari's son, Max, decided, okay, something's going on here, too. So he decided to reach out to his mom on Facebook. And she immediately responded, being like, how are you, baby? Blah, 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 blah. But then he said, listen, I don't believe you're my mother. I'm going to pose three questions to you and I need you to answer them to me to prove that you are, in fact, my mom. And he said, tell me what my middle name is, what our first dog's name was, and what my best friend's name is. This message never got a response. Uh Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. So during all of this drama and upheaval and just horrible, you know, difficult, awful stuff going on, Liz and Dave are still 
kind of on and off seeing each other. And both are still receiving horrible, nasty, threatening messages from Kari. In fact, Dave said that it was very common for him and Liz to be like hanging out at his apartment, watching a movie, snuggling on the couch when both of their phones would start blowing up with like angry, evil messages and emails. Yeah. And then the messages got increasingly scary and violent. So one email from Kari told Dave that she was going to kill Liz. And this email included a photo of a woman tied up in the trunk of a car. So panicked, Dave called Liz to check on her and make sure that she hadn't been kidnapped by Kari. She answered the phone. She was fine. Um, Later, Kari sent Dave a link to a fake obituary that she had made for Liz. Then things escalated. In August of 2013, Liz's house was set on fire, killing all of her pets, which was two dogs, a cat, and she had a pet snake as well. The fire was arson. It was like very clearly arson. And Liz was positive that Kari had set the fire. And scary things were happening to Dave as well. His auto shop was vandalized. In January of 2014, he heard someone jiggling the doorknob to his apartment while he was lying in bed at night. And somebody threw a brick through his window. So even Dave's ex-girlfriend, Amy, the mother of his two kids that I mentioned in the beginning, she had started receiving threatening messages from Kari as well. So now it seemed that like anyone who had been involved with Dave romantically was, was a target for Kari. So by spring of 2015, it had been two and a half years since anyone had laid eyes on Kari Farber, but the stalking and harassment had never stopped. It continued the entire time. So two detectives named Ryan Avis and Jim Doty of the Pottawatomie County, I love saying, Pottawatomie (laughs) County Sheriff's Department um, in Council Bluffs, Iowa, had heard about this case of this like woman who was stalking several people, but nobody had seen her. Um, And so she was the missing person, but she was also harassing people. And they'd heard about the story and they were so intrigued by it that they volunteered to take the case on because the police in Omaha weren't having any luck. Wow. So these two detectives are like, we're going to do it. And they have a, a plan. Were they women detectives it. or female or male? They're male okay. detectives. Yeah. Um, so it was Jim Doty and Ryan Avis are their names. So they decided that they were going to approach the case from different angles. Jim was going to work the case as if Kari was no longer living and somebody was impersonating her and he was going to do everything he could to prove that to be true. And Ryan was going to work it as if she was still alive and just no one could find her. And he was going to do everything he could to prove that that was true. And so they start back at the beginning. They get the original case files. And Detective Avis, who was the one trying to prove that she was alive, thought that noticed like one alarming detail. On top of the fact that no one had seen Kari, spoken to her, like heard her voice. It was all just electronic messages. He also noticed that in two and a half years, there had been zero activity in her checking account. So he's like, I don't understand how a human person cannot be seen, heard from, or spend a penny in two and a half years yes. and still be living. And so he comes to the conclusion that he cannot prove that Kari is alive. Oh. There is no proof that she's still living. And for Detective Doty, who is trying to prove that Kari was dead, he said the glaring detail that stuck out to him was Liz Goliar. Someone who had never been in Kari's life until she went missing. And Liz's name was all over so many of the police reports in, in the, um, the police file on this case 
that he, I mean, he just was like, there's something about this Liz because she is all over this. And it doesn't make sense because she is not even an acquaintance of this woman. Um, And so to him, he wants to look into Liz Gallier. He's like, this lady knows something or there's just something off here. So since all of the communication from Kari was electronic, emails and texts, the detectives brought in a digital forensic specialist to help them out. And this gentleman's name was Kava, like his last name was Kava. And back in 2013, Dave and Liz had agreed to have the contents of their phones downloaded for the initial detectives who are working the case. So all of this content was still included in the case file that these new detectives who are working on it had. Mm. And if someone had been impersonating Kari as they were going through, you know, everything, whoever this person was got more sophisticated and how they were hiding their IP address um, in order to keep their real identity a secret. So they were getting better at hiding where the messages were coming from. But the investigators, with the help of this digital um, forensic specialist, do discover a photo of Kari's Ford Explorer in Liz's phone dump. So like from when, when it had been downloaded, it was like a photo that had been on her phone. And it also showed them that the photo had been taken a month before the police had gotten the call from Dave about seeing the car and went to check it out. So somehow Liz, a month earlier, knew Rikari's car before the cops. Mm -mm. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Investigators also found six calls to Kari's home phone from Liz's phone. And Liz had used that star six, seven so that her number wouldn't come up. And so the detectives were like, if these women met one time in a hallway, why had Liz called Kari at her home six times. That doesn't make any sense. Then they also discovered the photo of the woman tied up in the trunk <gasps> that had been sent to Dave no. and video footage from outside Dave's apartment that had been uploaded to YouTube in Kari's name, but was they were able to tie the IP address of the upload of that video to the one registered to Liz's home. Oh my so God. detectives meet with Nancy, Kari's mom, to tell her that they believe that she had been right all along, um, that something that something had happened with her daughter. And Nancy gave detectives even more information that might implicate Liz's involvement in Kari's disappearance. In 2012, right after Kari had disappeared, she um, got a text from her, Nancy, her mom got a text from her saying that she'd sold all of her furniture and asked her mom if she would go and let the buyer into her home. Because, you know, she's gone. She, right. She doesn't know what no one sees her anymore. As proof of the sale of this furniture, Kari, which I have written in air quotes here, sent a photo of the check for the furniture made out to her. And it was signed by a Shanna Galliar. So I don't know if you guys remember, but Liz's full name is Shanna Elizabeth Galliar. Right. So police now have another uh, yet another connection between the two women. But they still don't know what happened to Kari. But they feel pretty certain that Liz probably did know what happened to Kari. Oh, and just to keep the, the damning evidence coming, they also match that mysterious fingerprint in Kari's car to Liz. So it's Liz's fingerprint in the car. Um, so as police are really, the investigation is, you know, it's picking up some steam here. Yeah. Dave noticed... Dave noticed that a gun that he had purchased for protection in the height of like the terrible fear he felt from being stalked um, had gone missing. So like he had this gun in his apartment and now it was gone. So he reported it stolen to the police. 
And on December 4th of 2015, Detective, uh, Detectives Dodie and Avis were in the Potawatomi Sheriff's Office when who came strolling in? Liz Gallier. Like, walked right into the police department. And uh, she was there to file a harassment claim against someone new. Oh. Dave's ex-girlfriend and baby mama, Amy. So she's there to file a, a harassment claim against Amy. What? So after Liz leaves, Detective Avis drives to her home to interview her. And he pretends that he's there to interview her about the harassment claim she just filed. And he wants to help her, you know, with the whole Amy situation. So in this interview, Liz told Avis that she now knows that it was Amy who'd been sending her the threatening messages the entire time, not Kari. Avis asked Liz if he could download the contents of her phone so he could review the messages. Liz signed a consent form and handed him her phone. Like, he couldn't believe it. He was like, oh, you're, oh awesome. Yes, I've got the phone. Yes. Liz also goes out of her way to mention during their conversation that Dave's 9mm Smith & Wesson gun was missing and that she thinks that Amy stole it. And he's like, oh, okay. Thank you for that. And in a like something out of a bad Lifetime movie plot twist, the very day after this interview, Liz calls 911 saying that she had been shot in the leg while walking alone in a park. She tells police that she did not see who shot her, but she believes that it was Amy. And Detective Avis finds it highly suspicious that the day before, Liz made the point to tell him that Dave's gun had been stolen, probably by Amy, and then got shot. So he kind of determines that Liz most likely shot herself in the leg <laughs> oh my God. to create this story that she's spinning. Meanwhile, the contents of the second download of Liz's phone were being sifted through with a fine-tooth comb. Investigators found that around 30 fake email addresses, all with some variation of Kari's name, had been registered on Liz's phone. She also had an app downloaded, which allowed her to pre-schedule future messages. So this explained how Liz and Dave could be snuggling on the couch, watching a movie, and both start receiving a barrage of messages at the same time. Um, and then Kava, the digital forensic specialist, estimated that from what he could tell, Liz spent about 40 to 50 hours a week impersonating Kari. Jesus. It was a full-time job. Did she have a job besides that? I mean, I assume yeah. she did, but I don't know. They didn't ever get into what she did. Um, so detectives Dodie and Avis bring Liz in two weeks after she'd been shot in the leg um, for an interview. And she kept pushing them to investigate Amy, apparently completely clueless that detectives are like, we don't think it's Amy. We think it's you. Bill. Yeah, but, for sure. um, but Dodie and Avis, they have a plan. They tell Liz that they believe her that they do believe it's Amy who's been doing all of the harassing and that they need her help to get Amy to incriminate herself. They asked Liz if she could reach out to Amy and see if she could get, get her to tell her what happened to Kari Farber. And their plan worked because after leaving this interview, Liz immediately starts fabricating emails from Amy. The messages from, air quote Amy, confess to shooting Liz. Detectives, uh, the detectives continue to press Liz to ask Amy what happened to Kari. And a few days later, she did in a forwarded email, supposedly from Amy, in which she described how she stabbed Kari three to four times and stuffed her body into a garbage bag. Oh. So 
Liz now doesn't understand why Amy is not being arrested. And she's pissed. She's like, you guys, I forwarded you the confession right. email. Like, we know it's her. I, she, she sent me an email confessing. And uh, the detectives are like, we know, we know it's frustrating. You know, like the hand of justice or hammer or whatever it is, it moves slow. <sighs> um, and really, that we need more information in order to make an arrest. Like, information that only Kari's killer would know. And what do you know, guys? Within a couple of hours, more confession emails from air quote Amy came flooding in. The emails included that Kari had been stabbed in her Ford Explorer. So police went back to the car to search it again. And this is the third time this car is searched. But this time, they removed the fabric from the seats. And on the passenger side seat, they find a large red stain that turns out to be Kari's blood. So Liz Goliar is arrested for Kari's murder. And while she's being interrogated by police and shown all of the evidence that they have collected against her, Liz denies having anything to do with Kari's death, telling police that she doesn't even have internet service. Uh. And while this interrogation is going on, um, Avis and Dodie had gotten a search warrant for her apartment. And inside Liz's apartment, they found Kari's digital camera and a camcorder. They presumed that uh, Liz had stolen these from Kari's home when she was let in to pick up the furniture she bought. And on the camcorder, the police found a video of Kari talking about how her car had been vandalized. Like she was like maybe doing like a police, something to give to the police. And the video that she made about her car being vandalized was time stamped two days before she disappeared. Meaning the harassment had started. She just didn't know what it was about yet. So on December 22nd of 2016, Liz was charged with first degree murder. Now, seeing as this case was so bizarre and weird and like, what? (sighs) The prosecutor was actually kind of worried. She was convinced, like, how am I going to convince a jury to believe that somebody would start a fire and let their dog die or would shoot themselves in or would shoot themselves in the leg? On Liz's defense team, her attorney requested to waive a jury trial and opted for a bench trial, which is where the judge decides the verdict and the sentencing. And the thinking being there was that as of right now, there's no body, no murder weapon, and no real crime scene. And a bench trial moves much quicker than a jury trial. And he wants to get this trial over before there's a chance they do recover the body. Then, a few months before trial was set to start, Dave remembered a tablet, like an iPad, I'm assuming, that he had in storage, and he turned it over to police. And on the tablet, police found a micro SD memory card that had also been in Liz's phone at the time of the murder. So I, they don't go into details about how they know that. So I'm assuming he was like, hey, I have this tablet. Maybe she had like given it to him or it had been, sure. I don't know, but it had an SD card that had been on Liz's phone the time that Kari disappeared. So this SD card, Vaughn, had thousands of deleted photos, all of which the digital forensic specialist was able to recover. And while sifting through all of the pictures, Kava, what that's the, you know, the specialist, mm-hmm. uh, came across a photo he hadn't seen before in all of these like phone dumps of Liz's phone. Not initially sure of what he was looking at. It turned out the photo was of a human foot with a tattoo of the Chinese symbol for mother on it. And it was the same tattoo that Kari had on her foot. Oh, shit. So she not only killed this woman, but she was taking photos of her dead body. 
At trial, Liz's lawyer argued that all the evidence in this case was circumstantial, that she was, after all, for a, a large part of this investigation, considered a victim in all of this. And furthermore, there was no body, so there was no proof that Kari was dead. Fortunately, y'all, the judge disagreed mm, and was good. like, nope, I find you guilty of first-degree murder, and uh, Liz was sentenced to life in prison. So just Dave... Krupa, you know, the man who was involved in all of this, says that he considers Avis, Doty, and Kava to be heroes for uncovering what the other police department hadn't been able to do. And then Nancy, her mom, Kari's mom, refers to the three, Avis, Doty, and Kava, as her boys. Oh, my God. And then just to make it, like, even sweeter, Avis, Doty, and Kava started a scholarship in Kari's name at the community college that she attended to ensure that there was something positive associated with her memory, oh. not just all of this bizarreness. Like the cops that solved it started a scholarship I in her name to ensure those guys. that there was something wonderful. I know. So I was like, who are these amazing detectives? And also, I just love any kind of a forensic specialist. Oh, yeah. So that is my crazy stalker story. I, this was such a good story. I was riveted the entire time. I, my question is, why didn't they like try to track the phone? It must not have been able to be trackable. Well, that's I thought that like too, immediately. I was like what? we we also we've done so many stories where basically like cell phone tower pings. Yeah. You know, like all of that really lets police know. Remember when we did the one about the crazy thing in Sweden? Yes. You know, where they were able to determine that the phone that was sending the text messages from God was always in the same place as his yeah, phone, exactly. which is how they... I'm, so part of me was like, why couldn't they do that? Maybe this um, little, this la Liz lady really was kind of, she knew her well, shit. she got really good yeah. at it. I mean, she managed, she managed to impersonate Kari and harass multiple people for three years God. before she was arrested. It is. I'm actually looking at a picture of her online now because I was like, who is this person? Can't make this shit up. No. You know, I'm like, no one. I love that the prosecutor in the articles that I was reading was like, I was highly concerned about convincing people that this story was true because I've never heard anything crazier. Yeah, it looked it seems like it took so much effort on her part. Oh, so yes. Full time job is what they described it as like 40 to 50 hours a week spent impersonating Kari, sending messages, creating new accounts to try to like make it harder to track. Um, Careful yeah. people. Like and how do so, we even foresee something like this happening? But you can't, I mean, you can't. this seems like just not good luck. And just, you know, even the sheer fact, I don't know that the outcome would have been different. It might've happened at a different time, yeah. but that the sheer bad luck of like her swinging by unannounced at the same time that Kari was leaving, yeah. like maybe there would have been, although he had her move into his apartment not long after that. So I think she would have, Liz would have figured it out quickly. Right. But, um, but yeah, just if she hadn't seen that moment, you know, if people could just be honest about what they want, if a man tells you he's not looking for a serious relationship and you are, then you should stop seeing that man immediately yeah. and say like, Hey, that's not what my goals and priorities are. Like, don't get fixated and think you'll change your mind for me. And I'll do whatever I can to get rid of any competition. Yeah, you know? and vice versa. And that is, I I have to give it to those detectives and the forensic guy to do something positive in her name. That is amazing. God, this is crazy story. I know. I, I told you I had a doozy for wow. you. I was doing all of this yesterday, all of this research. And every time I kept, you know, I started to feel like, okay, it's obviously Liz. Yeah, right, right, I'm right. Kind of reading through. I mean, 
But as they kind of lay it out, I kept being like, why haven't they arrested exactly. her yet? Like they have yeah. her fingerprint. They have this, they have that. But they were smart enough to know that they didn't have Kari. Yeah. So they couldn't prove that anything had happened to her unless her body was found. And so they needed her to basically like incriminate herself. And they came up with such a clever way to do it by having her help them. <laughs> I that was I also wonder if this is the first time she'd ever someone yeah it's funny looking at the pictures of Liz there are you know because you can you can google anyone it shows like their myspace pictures and their facebook pictures and the range of selfies I know we all take selfies but there's Mm -hmm. a lot of real weird selfies that this lady was taking she was real into taking pictures on her phone that's what got that's what landed her in jail well Damn, yeah. that was amazing. Thank you for that. <laughs> I, I'm going to seriously be of thinking course. about it. I just saw that there's a 2020 on it. And I'm like, maybe I'll also watch that. Oh, I'll also watch I that. Because yeah. I part of me was like, I want to. I've just the, the article that I found that I, I just thought, man, this is everything I need. And I love all of this information. Yeah. And I spent hours, you know, just kind of going over that to collect the story. But I didn't watch anything, which is very unlike me. Normally, I'll find one thing I can watch yeah. to the family. Her name is not Kari, and it's Carrie. I'm really sorry. Oh, yeah. It's okay. I just I didn't watch anything. So if I mispronounced her name, know that it was un- not intentional. And I am very sorry. But this story is just one of the most insane things I have ever come across. I agree. Samesies. Thank you, Avren. Oh, my God. Of course. You guys, I hope this made your summer day a little bit better. We're happy to tell these stories. I'm happy to listen, too. And I'm going to tell you yeah. a story next week, and you are going to, it's going to blow your mind, and I'm so excited. I can't wait. I can't <laughs> wait. All right. All right. Bye, you guys. Thank you. Criminals, we just want to take a moment and say thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Rum Crime. If you would like, please uh, follow us on Instagram at Rum Crime, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also DM us with any questions or ideas. We love to chat. Yalla, bye bye. Rum Crime.